1: Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech, where we watch YouTube videos of TikTok videos, of Twitch streams, of Instagram reels, of Spotify canvas videos made by automated video services for songs written by robots who have millions of followers on Triller, where we discover our favorite tracks on meditation apps while working out staring at smart mirrors that have augmented reality that make us look so muscular that lifting weights is easier than zoning out on yet another Zoom call. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock Paper Scissors. We are a PR firm that specializes in music tech, and we are bringing you episodes of Music Tectonics about Music Tectonics, the conference. And I'm excited today because I've got with me Noah Becker, the CEO of AdRev. He's going to be at Music Tectonics. Noah, how's it going?
0: I'm very well, Dimitri. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, you're in from the LA area, Yes.
0: That's correct. I'm in Mar Vista, and I'd like to apologize in advance because there is some really loud uh, construction going on across the street, but I'll be doing my best to cover my mic in between bouts of speaking.
1: (laughs) Well, we don't hear too much of that, so don't worry too much. So AdRev's a digital music rights management technology and services company that helps rights holders find money, right?
0: That's a fairly good summary,
1: yes. (laughs) And uh, you're on a mission to change the conversation about the value of music on web platforms and apps, and uh, you'll be at Music Tectonics. That'll be one of the things you're talking about when you're there. Why is this your cause, Noah?
0: Well, it's one one of many causes, but I, I think probably the quickest anecdotal summary or theoretical anecdotal summary I could go through is, uh, for example, you have an influencer on Instagram or TikTok or pick your favorite platform where you love to consume social media influencer content <laughs> and uh, that influencer, you know, influencers get paid big dollars to run story campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. Stories now have a, a really expansive selection of music within them um, from recent Facebook licensing deals. And that's great for the users. Um but if, for example, an influencer gets $10,000 to run a branded media campaign in a story and just grab some music out of the Insta feed, that's fantastic for the, for the user and the influencer who's getting that ten grand. Um, You know, The story feed streams, I'm not sure if they'll even equate to any Facebook UGC uh, income, but if it is, it's literally like pennies on the thousands of views is what we're currently seeing. Wow. So in traditional media, you know, somebody who's doing a ten thousand dollar commercial placement might pay anywhere from ten to a couple hundred bucks to maybe much, much more, depending on what sort of music they wanted to use uh, to get a sync license to use in that branded media placement. Right. So. Just a little bit concerned that we're going to kind of denigrate the value of the sync licensing space, which is one of the last remaining bastions of hope for independent artists and composers to actually eke out a a decent living wage. Um, And it's also just really lopsided in terms of the influencer uh, income that they see from the brand deal, doing a dance or uh, promoting a product to some fantastic music that fits the theme of the plug. Um, but the musician is getting zero dollars out of it. And again, you know, in traditional media, this would not be the case. So, and I know we're not in traditional media anymore. And I'm not. I don't want to sound like an old fogey saying, "Oh, rah, rah, rah!" Yesterday it was like this, and we're gonna fix that. But we do need to temper the course and sort of remodulate uh, user expectations on platforms of, of what they should and shouldn't be expecting to be able to do with music. And I know that the music that's available in most of these apps is quote unquote for non-commercial uses. But you and I both know that that's just sort of a ridiculous fallacy that, that there's not a tremendous quantity of commercial uses happening with this for the most part free to use music. Uh, contained in some of these apps.
1: So what you're saying is kind of the message from a lot of these web platforms, social media platforms, and so forth, social video and so forth, is sort of like, oh, well, this is kind of like icing on the cake. This is fans making videos that need a little bit of sound uh, to go with it. But what you're saying is there's this whole other tier of commerce that's happening that is not technically connected to the way the music's getting licensed or used.
0: Well, yeah, like I said, I, th- I think uh, I'm not an attorney. First of all, I only play one on podcasts and email. <laughs> hey,
1: well, this is a podcast. Great.
0: There you have it. Um, you know, as soon as there's some transactional revenue, something is no longer a personal use. Right. It, that's, for me. That's
1: but but my point my point Noah is that 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 transact. There are transactions related to the music that happen within the platform, and then there's transactions that are happening s- sort of outside.
0: That's that's correct. Again, so the, my yeah. So we're just kind of we're overlapping points. Basically, right. I'm saying you know these are non-commercial uses. They're the music is being used quote unquote as intended. If you ask someone on the music licensing side of the platform, right? right. What I'm saying is that. It's being used as intended. it's also being abused as intended. I guess mm. would be my point, right? Okay.
1: all right yeah. and, and that Instagram example you gave is one. Are there other examples of how this is uh, how this is occurring right now?
0: Well, TikTok's another fantastic example. So there's just not a lot of actual music related transactional revenue happening on platform from TikTok music licensing deals. There is an insane quantity of revenue changing hands off platform in these branded deals. Again, where kids are doing dances or performances or acting things out, and um, to music that is very on point for whatever the messaging is, et cetera, et cetera, Um, and five to six figure transactions for single posts.
1: Gotcha. So it's not specific to any one platform. It's more the fact that if the platform does create this non commercial use of music, there's this parallel universe where these other layers of commerce are happening that kind of are not getting, kind of, not really addressing the, the, the use of the music. They're not being process.
0: addressed from a copyright perspective and from a copyright valuation perspective. So, and again, this is just sort of the way of the world, but I was just on a copyright office panel. Um, was it last week? And I was speaking on uh, there's a part of Copyright Act five twelve DMCA, um, that has language related to the potential for standard technical measures to, to have an impact in the in the DMCA to help enforce the takedown and notice notice and takedown, etc. You know, one thing I kept arguing over and over, and I'm, I'll argue this until the cows come home. It's it's that. The user groups that are using the music, um, those that I just described, I, I I don't think that they're abusing music wittingly. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that an influencer is thinking to themselves, "Oh, I'm gonna use this music and make ten grand, and I'm gonna stick it to the musician who made the music." That thought doesn't even enter their mind. You know, and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It doesn't need to. Um, but my my point is that 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 is a synchronization use. Okay, and, and sync. Again, is this bucket or sink of money that's a really good source of income still for the music industry and particularly for independent writers, composers, and artists? So we need to recalibrate user understanding. That is the first and foremost issue currently in the music and media marketplace. If we're going to keep licensing to these platforms, keep cutting, you know, multi you know, multi-hundred million dollar, a couple billion dollar deals with a single platform to sort of wash wash their hands of any guilt for copyright abuse for forever and all time, you know, I think we need to do a little more heavy-handed work on forcing those platforms to educate some of their user base about what exactly they're doing with the music and what traditional rights they do and do not have as a user on the platform because Hmm. there's a massive... Gap in knowledge, understanding, and practical use of copyright in real life and then copyright on OSPs, online service provider platforms, right? So, like, if I know all of my copyright understanding from YouTube's rules, I know F all about copyright. I don't understand it at a fundamental level. These are the same user groups that the government, the copyright office, insight groups, um you know, sample to ask them how the DMCA is working for them. Oh, well, and they say, Oh, it's working terribly. I can't do anything I want with the music I like. It's and I'm sitting over here like banging my head into it all like you don't understand what you are allowed and not allowed to do with music in the first place. Why is anybody asking you? Hmm. You know, all of a sudden, influencers are expert on copy fraud and all these other hot-button terms that YouTube and TikTok and other generations have spawned about copyright. And I'm I'm back here. I support creators, too. We've got a bunch of creator clients that work with us at AdRev. Many of them are also musicians who fundamentally understand these things mm-hmm. and who will go and pay real money to get good music in their videos, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I digress, I, but, but the really... The value of music is being firstly, you know, just sort of eviscerated by lack of understanding in the user group. Mm-hmm. It, it starts there. And the user group understanding comes from the platforms, policies, and rules. So if we started there, we might actually be able to course correct this thing. But if we don't, I, you know, my fear is that in 10, 15, 20 years, we don't have a whole lot of good independent music to listen to because nobody in their right minds gonna spend any time making it because there's not a dime to be had from the industry unless you're a mega superstar or a mega company that can benefit from these sort of single platform mass payout deals.
1: You know, it's funny, my 11 year old son did a project the other day for school where he made a video about early explorers to America, not his choice topic, but one that was assigned to him. And as soon as he added music, the whole project came together. It was just, for me, it was such a reminder of just how music goes with everything. And we see that in all the types of platforms that you're talking about. We also see it in the explosion of music in sync over the last five plus years. Is it obvious to say that music goes with everything? I mean, what? Like just broadening out for a minute, we'll come back into the issue here, but what makes music so relevant to so many creative projects and platforms?
0: Well, I, that's a really interesting question and I could answer it from a number of different perspectives. I think you could start with the sort of modal concept of music and the different chord progressions and how you arrange different chord progressions within different scales are known to have scientific impacts you know, mm. on the human mind that correlate to happiness, sadness, et cetera.
1: All right, the emotional yeah, state.
0: Exactly. I mean, I became obsessed with music at a super young age. My grandpa um, on my dad's side passed away, I think, when I was five or six. Totally natural, all good. Guy was like 92. He had a great <laughs> run. But I was super sad. It was my first loss. I was a child. And Mm. um, we lived out on a kind of like rancher kind of house. Not rancher, actually, it was two story, but uh, old, like on a bunch of acreage outside of town, country style stuff outside of a small town called Chico. And we had one of those funky 70s intercoms in the house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it had an AM, FM radio built into the intercom too in every room. They would just play out the intercom, you know, the crappy little intercom, three inch speaker there. (laughs) But yeah, I went in there and I turned on, I was really upset and I kind of, I remember I ran into my room and I turned on some radio station and it, it, it must have been some classical station some rendition of Canon in D, Pachelbel's Canon in D was playing and I was just really moved by it and it just made me feel comfortable and I never forgot that moment and I just sort of became obsessed with the impact that music can have on myself personally and then course by extension other human beings why it's so important in media i think is that more scientific reason that i told you about you know um why are there always big storm drum that sorry that's a plug-in for um for digital audio workstations. a uh, big trash can style massive sounding orchestral drums in all the big epic movie trailers that you mm-hmm. see um, mm-hmm. because as as far as the moment that's happening in the trailer at that specific time, um, editors and composers know it's a great way to build energy and tension, you know, and things right. like that. And so this this goes every which way though in terms of video. I really feel it does. You know, Vine being that first short form platform that really spun out of control for copyright owners at least on the music mm-hmm. side, because there, there really was. There was just so much short form, let's face it, cop, copyright infringement happening at, at a massive scale level. And again, a lot of transactional dollars happening. But if you go back to the vines and if you go into the TikToks currently, you go into the reels on Instagram, you mute the music and you tell me what the heck is going on. Hmm. None of it's going to make any sense. The music is an absolute categorical imperative to the success of these videos, right? Yeah. The success of these viral moments. And we are giving it an on par value against this influencer of like one to 10,000 on average, mm -hmm, let's say, mm -hmm. you know, it just, I don't understand it. And I do, sorry, I do understand it. Education, 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 again, kind of where it all begins.
1: Yeah, and I, think, I think that's what it is. I mean, the other thing about music that's interesting, especially as video editing and, and montage and this whole idea of just turn on your camera and start shooting comes together. The songs pretty much unite the whole project. They have that emotional reaction that you're talking about. And then they also create this seamless piece while the video is jumping around, whether it's because somebody's hands moving or because they're making edits using in-app tools or, or third party tools or whatever the audio gives it that, like it ties it all together. Right. And so the music has a strong role to play in this video centric um, movement of creation.
0: Oh man. I, I got goosebumps and the hairs on my neck are standing up. <laughs> I mean, when you particularly when you start to talk about long form video movies, documentaries, Um, the music is the creative glue, the, it's the highway that the movie travels on. It's the, it's the rails that the movie stays on.
1: And in in some ways, I like what you said about the science side of it, because in a way the video itself is the literal translation of what you're seeing, what you're supposed to know about the story, but the music kind of operates on the emotional, it's, it's telling the emotional storyline in a way that you're not necessarily seeing with your eyes. You actually have to hear it to feel it.
0: Absolutely absolutely and you know cut cut how how things are cut and the music that's used have an absolutely massive impact on sort of the output emotion for the audience have you ever seen there's a wonderful example of this uh have you ever seen the top gun edit where um maverick and iceman are like have a they have a a, like a a lover's tension if you will as per this edit it's i mean it's it's just hilarious because it's it takes all the really close cut scenes of them when they get up in each other's face, uh, but it edits it in such a way and adds more of a romantic uh, underscore to it that you're like, oh yeah, this must be a love story about these two fighter pilots. This is super cool, you know. And but it, we know it is Top Gun, right? So anyway, the point being, how you cut and how you edit and what music you choose can really do what you just said. They really do start to bring the emotional significance to the story.
1: I just realized the perfect uh, explanation of what we're talking about as you were talking about the Top Gun thing, which is that kind of semi-silent version of Dancing in the Street with David Bowie and Mick Jagger. Have you seen that video? Yep. There's a bunch of, yeah, yeah.
0: there's a lot of. Fantastic examples of this. Out <laughs> I mean, where, that's
1: that's a music video, so that's a little bit different. That's kind yeah. of cheating to make the point, but it does make yep. the point. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right. So, so what's happened in the last year or so? Going back to kind of your, I mean, you came out of the gate strong there, Noah. But what what's happened in the last year or so that's changed this conversation? That's kind of bringing what you're talking about up to the surface.
0: I could tell you, for me personally, I started to get involved in some of the, the Washington lobbying activities surrounding copyright. And, you know, there is, I, I can't get into it in too much detail, but there's, there's, a, there's definitely a sort of centrifuge of attention on YouTube, you know, and which I find ironic because I think YouTube, its system has its misgivings. But overall, I think they've done a really excellent, excellent job of giving copyright owners and creators both the flexibility they need to sort of interact in an ecosystem and everybody can do... A semi-reasonable job of maintaining the value of their rights that again breaks down at the super independent level unfortunately um, mm. but yeah getting getting in the Washington circle and, and hearing a lot of the heat around YouTube but feeling how I feel about Facebook licensing deal uh, that started what was it three or four years ago and they just got re-upped and I, I'm a composer producer writer a label proprietor sometimes recording artist. I have a few different accounts I have an uh, old label with in grooves, and then uh, my new stuff's with Dashco. So I see my little Facebook UGC money trickling in and I'm also obviously an expert on YouTube UGC revenue since that's uh, one of the really pillars that AdRev hangs its hat on is admitting YouTube. And the Facebook money at current is like in the one hundredth on the pro rata view amount. So, and again, Facebook never really... You know, to me, they've been in the wind for two decades on this stuff, mm. right? So YouTube got out of the wind and got in the woods, if you will, um, mm. deep in the woods now with Content ID uh, pre-2010, right? And um, that was based on the nature of the platform. It's a heavy-duty, rich media platform, audiovisual, yada, yada, yada. But Facebook's no different. know, they've been doing the same stuff for a really long time. Can't remember exactly when they launched Facebook Video, but as soon as they did, they should have been licensed. Mm -hmm. And so they've, you know, I think done a really good job with the press surrounding, you know, their licensing efforts and things like that. I I can tell you that once again, their licensing efforts are um, a pretty disturbing undervaluing of music copyrights, and also a a a walled garden in which you have to be of some sort of music type in order to participate in having your music protected and licensed on the platform so <laughs> these these deals can be selected not only can they be under not only do they undervalue copyright they oftentimes are highly selective about the rights that they want to or are willing to pay for a license to this is because of notice and takedown and safe harbor and until that changes any platform can just sit back and be like hey, we got this URL and a copyright owner can go find their music and send us the link and tell us they own some music in it and we'll take it down. And the scale at which any independent musician would have to do that work, firstly, is impossible. And then secondarily, if you don't own a fingerprint company, like AdRev owns a French company called Symbols. I know you're familiar with the PEX guys. They've got a solid fingerprint bmat in spain etc so unless you are liter- literally are one of those entities a symbol as a bmat apex or work with one of them which is costly um, you have no capability to go find your music use in the first place mm. so it's just very disingenuous to keep hearing from platforms and from the copy left and that or the notice and takedown it's what do you mean there's plenty of opportunity for musicians to go deal with this and it, it everything is sort of structured in this way that it favors user groups and OSPs and it, it skews very heavily handedly against musicians and film and copyright owners in general.
1: Can, can I back up just a little bit why has yep. it been, been so hard to get new platforms to get licenses or any platforms to get licenses for music
0: that's like you know asking Jeff why doesn't Jeff Bezos just you know give away half his stock and fix America I <laughs> like they don't have to at he's hmm. forcing them to do it so safe harbor allows them to kick back and kind of twiddle their thumbs on this stuff um, and they will forever and all time it's it's incredible to see what's going on with the European copyright directive and what will be really interesting when <laughs> When some of those directives go into uh, enactment, there there's going to be a tremendous legislative gap between how the EU sees these issues and how uh, the Americas do. Mm-hmm. Um, that will bring that will likely bring a reckoning to these platforms, whether they like it or not, because they are international. Or they may have to throw up the gates and not let European user groups in. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but. Um,
1: do you Europe's think it's more likely that a
0: lot Europe's taken this whole value of creativity a lot more seriously than we are I can tell you that much
1: Noah no, do you think that the, it's more likely that there'll be this kind of firewall between where music is used or do you think it'll be more likely that the same directives in Europe will start to impact how the American legal system handles this
0: you know it's funny because you would think that it would somehow impact the American legislative system to Kind of get on par, but it, things move so slowly here, and the European Copyright Directive has taken several years to framework and and put into action. So either way, there's going to be a lag. But this is, you know, if, if I may, sorry, I'm very verbose, and I know that I digress and, and get really tangential tempt- <laughs> sometimes. But um, you know, this is what it's really what it's really about um, for me, which is that particularly in America, we really did used to have a really, we, you know, we used to have a very vibrant, creative middle class. I'll say that. Like there was actually a way to sustain yourself as a, obviously touring musician a hard one to sell right now. But, right. you know, touring musician, a small film uh, production company, you know, making local spots. And look, I get it. I'm, again, I don't want to sound like grandpa complaining about kids on the lawn here, technology's moved faster, it's cheaper to make and create video, um, literally, costs less money, same with music, et cetera, et cetera. But when we don't prop up the value of independent film or the value of music, and by extension, independent music, we sort of reduce the incentive for people to be creative, right? to have a dream about making it. Um, That sort of dreaming and inspiration also inspires real innovation in other industries and marketplaces. So if you really, I think if you sort of start to look at America over the last couple decades, there's one place that we've quote unquote progressed economically, which is to let these mega platforms take over our lives, make all the money. crush small businesses, crush medium-sized businesses. And and I know this sounds like a big political wandering, but I am still talking about music because those platforms are the same ones that are devaluing music. Google, Facebook, and Amazon. Over and over. These platforms spend more money lobbying against copyright owners' rights and the value of copyright than they would if they just settled up and paid properly. Why? Because... They don't have to pay properly, so they'd rather sit and fight their position and perspective so them and their shareholders can get more wealthy. So this is like a real to me, a very very much this is a this is America issue, man. We we want awesome music. We want great creatives to come out of this country. Creative industries are some of our greatest exports. It's an almost two trillion dollar marketplace. Um it used to create a quarter to a half million jobs a year in the early 2000s before social video really exploded. Um, and before internet speeds got so fast that anybody could steal any digital media on the internet really easily. So these are all things that have happened right right before our eyes. Over the last 10 years, and meanwhile the industry is busy celebrating Spotify, streaming, bro. Oh, the money's so good. What the heck is going on everywhere else? Nobody seems to care. And everybody's taking their handout money and hitting their bonus targets left and right, and they think they're doing great work. They're doing great work for themselves. We are really abandoning true creativity in the marketplace uh, in favor of asset commoditization and dollar figures. And that will have a long-term detritus impact in our music economy and industry because people will not want to create it anymore. So it's anyway.
1: Well, let me let me ask you. So so um, what's you know, as we talk about the kind of this this issue of licensing with platforms, what's your advice to publishers and label labels when those conversations are in in process?
0: If you don't need the money, don't take the money. Keep hammering them. Until you get some sort of a settlement amount or licensing deal on the table that looks like it actually benefits not only you but you and your artists or writers, because non-attributable, non-attributable settlements from platforms that don't provide proxies, you know, you and I know where that money is going, man. It's not going to artists.
1: So, uh, uh, what 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 do you think would solve these problems in the future?
0: Well. That that's what's was so cool about the opportunity to speak on the STM's panel, standard technical measures panel. We're we're on the precipice, not even on the precipice. We're like already down in the valley hanging out, swimming in a world of technologically enabled audio and video identification tools that can operate at scale. Um, and provide real solutions for the marketplace. And I think if platforms, particularly US-based platforms, were more willing to be proactive about this um, and to just sort of take a stand like, yes, we believe in the value of music. Shoot, sorry, we haven't done that to date. Um, that we could at least get tools going, whether it's attribution engines or at-scale licensing engines um, where people could interact and transact on platform and pay fair value for whatever they're doing with the music sort of full stop. Right. So there are some cute little solutions out there currently um, for YouTube, for example. Um, I I don't want to get too salesy, but I also don't want to mention any competitors. So I'll just say, for example, um, we have developed a product called licensees, which if you have an e-commerce sync platform, you can sell sync licenses on your platform, have the user check out, enter some qualifiable user data, like here's my YouTube channel ID, right? Um, Probably I can hear a user group in the background. screaming, You're gonna copy fraud my channel if I give you my channel ID, (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. Um, But you get their channel ID, then you could run an API check against the channel, see how many subscribers they have, and then ping up a cost for that sync license whether it's a needle drop that would be a single use or a blanket use forever and as many videos as you want, it would be perpetual, unlimited, et cetera, et cetera. Our endpoint can take that license information, wait for that user to upload the video and then do some magical things in the background to make sure the user's claim gets released very, 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 very quickly. And then we also stuff the usage data in a database as well so we can track performance. So, and then, gosh, I could go down a whole other can of worms or a ball of wax on it's performance revenue. But yeah, so <laughs> point being, Dimitri, there are solutions. We've built them. Pex has built them. BMAT's got them. Um, if you combine all the vendors out there on the audio identification side and then throw them in a think tank with all the vendors out there on the somehow kind of cool way to handle at-scale sync licensing on UGC platforms companies... Like, we're here, we're capable, we're ready to rock, we can fix this stuff. We really can. We could recalibrate the value of music use in social video, I think, some in some time frame of perhaps one to three years. Really, very, very realistically, it would take, you know, some good cash layout from some of the platforms, maybe some of the trade orgs, and some really, you know... Bare knuckled competitors to work together, but we could do it for the benefit uh, of the industry. Now, again, none of this matters, and none of this, n- nothing that I'm saying matters until user groups understand the value. I, I still think that's mm-hmm.
1: job one. Right. Gotcha. Well, great. It's 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 really interesting to dive into this deeply with you to get your perspective really fleshed out because it does take a little bit of explanation. There's a couple different layers of the conversation happening here. So that, that's that been interesting. You're coming back out to Music Tectonics, the conference again this year, taking place October 27th, 28th um, as a supporter, as a speaker. And I'm curious, in addition to getting this message out this out there, what are you hoping to get out of being at the conference?
0: Personally, for, for my own volition, you know, try to find more allies uh, to work with um, on my DC-related efforts, mm-hmm. obviously meeting cool potential jo- joint venture partners or strategic partners or potential clients, um, but really just trying to participate and think at a high level about the future of music and music technology. I'm really excited about my Lightning Talk, where I'm going to dig into some of this stuff Um and hopefully be able to present it in a way that I that I will make friends, not not lose friends. Um, but yeah, just spreading spreading my word of of passion and uh, desire to help, and uh, and that a uh, transitivity of, of ad revs. And um, hopefully we can meet some cool new folks. You know, we're we're very aggressively you know looking into all market segments. You know, in terms of expansion, um, global expansion, M and A. New, you know, new product fits for our symbols technology on the fingerprint and metadata management side, and things like that. And um, you know, I think at, at a very base level, hey, you know, it's a good excuse to connect with some industry friends that I haven't seen in a really long time, and uh, hopefully make some new ones. You know, because yeah, awesome. who couldn't who couldn't use a little more actual virtual socializing instead of <laughs> just virtual meeting after virtual meeting after virtual meeting. So, yeah, well, hey, I'm really excited.
1: I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because we we're working hard to come up with some systems at the Tectonics conference uh, for this. You'll be able to do uh, a live video chat with anybody you see there. So you see, if you can go to the kind of the attendees list on the right hand side of the screen, you'll be oh, able to cool. click on somebody, initiate a video chat. You can just say hello, whatever. Or if you're not sure who to talk to, we've got a networking section. You click on that, we'll randomly hook you up with somebody that's also networking at that time. It's kind of like chat roulette for for music tech innovators to. To to connect and so all of a sudden somebody will pop on the screen it may be someone you know it may be not you get a few minutes the timer runs out you can connect or not you can extend it or not and then move on to the next person so it has a little bit more serendipity more that feel and we're actually working to firm up for our opening party and our closing party an avatar based virtual space we should have coming soon where you get to you know maybe change your clothes put on a hat in the virtual world kind of like a a Minecraft or Roblox type of experience walk around and, and actually see see somebody, and then do an audio chat with their avatar in real time. So um, we're almost ready to lock that in. So I'm glad you mentioned those those things you're looking for. Hey, um, before we at, wrap up, are there, when you look at other emerging trends, I mean, we talked a deep dive about what you're talking about here, but w- other emerging trends in music innovation, what are some of the other things you're keeping an eye on? I always like to check in with our guests to see, to share, you know, because we, we always learn about new stuff.
0: I don't want to, I've got a pretty stacked deck of M&A targets right now
1: (laughs) so you can't say
0: (laughs) yeah so I don't want to get too much into it I will just say that for me and my own volition and what I see as the future sort of sustainability of not only my org but how you can continue to win if you will and it's not about winning or losing it's about you know creating jobs and making a, a healthy existence for yourself but the way that we can continue to grow and serve the community um, would be to find more and cons- constantly seeking out better ways to multiply revenue streams on existing assets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'll just say that. And, All
1: right. All right.
0: <laughs> and, um, and then I'll be happy to fill you in under friend DA privately. Cause yeah, there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a plan in, in, in the headspace, but yeah, I think that, and I'm not, it's not like I'm some rocket scientist to say that you, you need to be able to provide to your clients, to your artists, to your writers, different ways to find new sources of revenue for them. And, uh, as per the, really the premise of this talk, find new sources of revenue for them that properly value their genius.
1: <laughs> so. Right. Right. Got it. Well, I mean, it is pretty cool to see with your kind of family of companies. Now, you've mentioned Dashgo, which is like a label distribution company that you're part of the same family of companies with. You're with AVL Digital, which owns CD Baby as well, which is itself is under the downtown publishing world. So, you guys do have some really interesting kind of um, cross services, let's say. And uh, and 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 you mentioned the the merger acquisition world that you're uh, becoming more and more active with you. Your company, yourself, as well as parent companies and so forth—a lot of interesting things happening there. So I guess we just have to keep reading the news headlines to find out once those uh, those things have happened and, and see what you were talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Obviously, I am not the final word whatsoever, and there are plenty of stakeholders uh, that I need to um, that I need to impart with the same excitement about different investments <laughs> that I want to do. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, we'll have some news uh, kind of trickling. Around throughout 2021, Um, want to get involved in a few different things. But yeah, I'll be happy to fill you in, in in a sidebar.
1: Well, awesome to have this chat. No, it's it's always great to get somebody who's got strong opinions about stuff. And if it's about valuing music, I mean, who's going to complain about that, right? So thanks for coming in. Is there anything else you want to shout out uh, or share before we sign off for today?
0: Um, You know... I will like to say uh, in advance a big shout to all my friends and longtime clients at Spirit Music Group uh, who are celebrating their 25th anniversary this year, which is an incredible achievement in this crazy industry. Uh, so big shout to John Singer and Steven Singer, Joe Burino, uh, Melanie over at Spirit Music Group, and, and, and all the other troopers, and uh, you'll see our full page and billboard
1: uh, coming up for them. Awesome. Great. Well, Noah, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and thanks for coming out as a a supernova Supernova sponsor and partner for Music Tectonics. We're excited to have you.
0: Thanks for having me, brother. Always good chatting with you and uh, I'll talk to you soon
1: sounds great and thank you for listening to the Music Tectonics podcast please hit subscribe wherever you are but also go over to musictectonics.com check out our conference page tickets are available Um, we've got some great speakers that we've already announced Scott Cohen the Chief Innovation Officer at Warner Music Group Sherry Hu from Water and Music we've got Roblox we've got Feed.fm who you've heard on this podcast SyncFloor many more we're about to make a big announcement so keep an eye on the news for that and sign up for the newsletter to keep uh, posted on Other speakers we have coming. And like I said, we're going to have lots of great uh, networking and interactive um, ways of being involved once you sign up for the conference. Thanks for listening. We'll have more for you soon.
0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.